Today's message was brought to you by the gifts and love offerings of the people of Rancho Baptist Church in Temecula, California. Pastor Jason Swanson is our senior pastor here at RBC, and this message was recorded during our regular Sunday morning service times. Pastor Jason is currently in a series he's calling a walk through the book of Acts, Jesus at Work. And today, Pastor Jason is in part 52 of his walk through the book of Acts series. In a sermon he's entitled Divine Direction, turn to Acts chapter 16, and today Jason is looking at verses 1 through 10. Here's Jason. It may sound funny to you, but I've actually been excited about coming and, and bringing to you all the passage that we're going to be looking at this morning, Acts chapter 16. And that is because this, this chapter, in particular, the first ten verses where, where we see this vision that, that comes to the Apostle Paul and this man from Macedonia begging for him to come to him and help him, is something that I believe is, is quite understood by many, many folks. But oftentimes, when we talk about this idea of how does God lead you, there is much confusion. In particular, if I were to ask you, okay, how does God lead you? How does the Holy Spirit guide, lead, and direct you from a, on a day-to-day basis? What would your answer be? When we were in Papua New Guinea serving in, in the tribe that we were in, and it was probably like three years after we preached the gospel and there was a church now established and people were growing in their understanding of God's Word. And there was a man named Tomas. And Tomas would, we'd, he'd come to me and he'd help me with my Bible lesson that I was going to be teaching on whatever the next week is. And he'd arrive quite early and on this one morning, morning he arrived at my office and he, and he said, Uagata, he said, hey, the Spirit of God this morning came and, 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 and shot an arrow at my heart. And he told me this, Jason. He told me to go to such and such tree and by that tree, I will find a great big moomoot. Okay, you don't know what a moomoot is. A big rat. Okay, now when I say rat, don't think of little rat. Think of big rat, Okay. And, and you may think this is not a great thing. Why would you want to go to a tree and find a rat? Well, this was breakfast or lunch or dinner, depending on what time it was. Since this was the morning, this would have been breakfast for Tomas and his whole family. And I said, oh, so the Holy Spirit told you to do that. Cool. So did you go there? And he said, no, I, I came here. And I said, well, what are you doing? Okay, let's go there and let's go see. Hoping that it wasn't a real long trek away. And I said, hey, and in fact, when, when, when I go with you, I, I know the way that I walk, that I make lots of noise, so I will follow behind you at a good distance so I don't scare this rat away. And so I followed him, and we made it all the way to this tree, and we got there, and you know what we saw? Nothing. There was no rat, and he looked all around to see if he could see some sort of trail that the rat had left, or, or this or that, and, and, and there was nothing. And on the way back home, it gave me a good opportunity to talk with Tomas. And, and I said, so buddy, what, what do you think? Okay, I really didn't say buddy because we can't say that in Siawe. I, I would have said, Yoateke, my brother. What did you think? Do you still believe that was the Holy Spirit? And he said, I, I don't know. I'm a little confused. Take a foul. That means I, I, I'm with uncertainty. 
And I said, why? And he said, well, because I know from what I've seen in God's Word, the Holy Spirit does not lie. And yet, I thought that was the Holy Spirit telling me to do this. And when I got there, there was no rat. And I said, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I said, could it be that that was not the Holy Spirit? Because if it was indeed the Holy Spirit and He had told you that, then for sure that rat would have been there. And he said, yeah. And I said, what else could it have been? And he said, well, maybe it was just my stomach. (laughs) And he said, or maybe it was Satan. Maybe it was Satan tricking me, trying to make me go back to the old ways and and follow the old ways and, 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 and do some sort of incantation so that maybe something like that will happen. And he said, he, he said, brother, t- tell me how to know if the Holy Spirit is leading me or not. And, and, and I said, what, what, what you need to do, Tomas, is you need to stand upon this. You need to stand upon God's word. And, and when you feel that the Holy Spirit is, is prodding you, guiding you, leading you, directing you, which he will do, which he will continue to do, which he ha- already has done. You hold that up to what the word of God says. You know what? There's, there's nothing obviously sinful in you wanting to go there and get some food for your family. Praise the Lord. And oftentimes it is the Lord that provides. In fact, He's provided for you guys for all these generations before you even knew Him. But you need to remember to hold fast to God's Word. And let God's Word be the thing that drives you. And, and you need to measure what you believe the Holy Spirit is telling you to do with what God's Word actually says. Now, I know that none of you are struggling this morning with whether or not the Holy Spirit told you to go to some tree and find a big rat. But perhaps you're you're wondering, man, how does the Holy Spirit lead? Perhaps like like me, you've you've heard stories of of people that, that, man, they they seem to be very similar to what we're going to see today. Some sort of vision that, that somebody has. And as a result of that vision, they then go overseas and and, and be a missionary. Is that indeed the case? Does does every missionary that's gone overseas, do they have to have a vision in order to go overseas? Well, that's not the case in in my life, in my wife's life, and and we were missionaries. So no, obviously what we're going to see today is not the norm. That This isn't what every believer is going to experience. But I recognize too that that I'm kind of walking a tightrope. Because I don't want any of us to believe that the Holy Spirit is, is somehow put in some sort of small little box. Because the Holy Spirit does guide, lead, and direct. But, but how does He do that? He, he does that with the Word of God. By the Word of God. And, and what, what I've called this sermon this morning is divine direction because that is what we're going to be seeing. I, I believe I could have entitled this sermon several different things. I could have called it opened and closed doors because that is what we're going to see. It would be closed, closed, open. (laughs) It's probably what I would call it because that's what happens. And do you know today that there are those that believe that the Word of God is not enough? That that they would say that that you know what, if if you really want to grow spiritually... If you want to feel the fire of the Holy Spirit, as they would say in Papua New Guinea, that you want to feel the power of the Holy Spirit and that you want to grow spiritually and that what every church needs is some sort of religious experience, some sort of hype that comes as you experience 
the Lord. And, and is this the case? Religious encounters, are, are these the things that we should be relying upon? Or is God's Word enough? Some would say, okay, yes, God's Word back in the Old Testament in their day, because God was speaking to them through visions and, and, and through angels and through prophets and what have you, that that was indeed God's Word for them. And for us with the New Testament, yes, this is the New Testament, but there's still something missing. That God's Word is not the end in and of itself. But there's something else that we need to somehow tap into and experience in order for us to be led by the Lord. Is that the case? I believe that the answer is is seen here. Written by the Apostle Paul to to young Timothy, who we're going to see introduced today. And look at what it says. Is this idea of extra biblical revelation, the fact that God speaks outside of his word, that that is something that is needed for us to grow spiritually, to become more and more mature? Or is it not? Or is God's word enough? Another way to say that is God's word sufficient in and of itself. I think many of us have memorized this scripture, right? All scripture is what is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So what does this teach us? What does this tell us about how we are to be adequate, which is this idea of being capable of doing all that God has called us to do? And how are we to be equipped to do all that God has told us to do? Is it through these experiences? No, no, it's through right here. Right? It's through the Scriptures. All Scripture comes from the Lord. It is is literally God-breathed. Its source is based in Him. And so what we need to go back to continually over and over again is God's Word. And look at God's Word. And I am not saying that the Holy Spirit does not guide, lead, and direct us today. And that there aren't times when you experience the Lord through the Holy Spirit guiding, leading, and directing. What I'm saying is that we need to be wise in in, in how we discern whether or not it is indeed the Holy Spirit and the Lord leading or, or perhaps not. And what we are going to see today in particular, I think will be very, very helpful. Because what we're going to see is that that in one case, Paul is led kind of indirectly. And in another case, Paul is led very directly by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is just slamming doors right in his face. And in another time, it doesn't even seem like the Holy Spirit is involved, but and yet the Lord is guiding and leading. So, so turn with me to, to Acts chapter 16. And we're going to be looking at the first 10 verses this morning. Acts 16, 1 to 10. Paul came also to Derbe and and to Lystra. And a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. But his father was a Greek. And he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted this man to go with him. And he 
took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now, while they were passing through the cities, they were delivering the decrees which had been decided upon by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem for them to observe. So the churches were being strengthened in the faith and were increasing in number daily. They passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And after they came to Mysia, they were trying to go into Bithynia. And the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. In passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Let me pray for our time in the Word. Heavenly Father, we we bask in Your infinite goodness and grace to us, the wisdom that is displayed in Your Scriptures, Lord, and the life lessons that You want to teach us. We pray that Your Holy Spirit would be our teacher, our guide, our helper this morning, that this would be all about You, And that you would give us insight on how we are to be led by you, directed by you and you alone. And how we can stand upon your word and we can be led by your spirit. So guide our time now in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're dropping in here again to the beginning of the second missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. And you'll remember several weeks ago, we saw that the beginning of this journey actually started on a little bit of shaky ground. Why? Because Paul and Barnabas could not get along. And so as a, as a result of that, it, they broke. And, and Paul went this way, and Barnabas went this way, taking John Mark with him. And Paul took Silas. And we see him taking that what, what I had termed before, kind of the... The shortcut that instead of going to the island of Cyprus and going all around like they did the first time, they just take the, the, the quick route and they come right to Derby and to Lystra. And again, what is the Lord doing in all of this? He is leading the Apostle Paul in two ways. And we'll see this clearly. In two distinct directions. First, he's going to lead him to a particular person. Actually, he's going to lead him to the right person. And we see this in in verses 1 and 2. As it says, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. And a disciple was there named Timothy the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek, and he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. So as they are traveling, we have to remember what happened in these different cities. Not not a whole lot happened in Derby, but when he gets to Lystra, he would have a really good recollection of what had happened before. 
And I would think that he would be a little nervous and anxious to come into Lystra. Why? Because this is where he healed the lame man. And then as a result of him healing the lame man, the whole city was going to start worshiping him. They were going to start worshiping Paul as Hermes. And they were, they were going to start worshiping Barnabas as Zeus. And what happens? They say, no, 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 no. We are just men like you. And they stop them from worshiping them. But then what happens? Then things go south. And before you know it, what are they doing? They are literally trying to kill Paul and they stone him. And yet we know that is not the end of the story because when he comes back through with Barnabas, everything is much better by then. And he meets with the church and he encourages them. And so as the Lord is leading Paul to the right man, he finds himself in Lystra. And I would think as he comes into Lystra, there, there's got to be something in his mind where he is also remembering who he was ministering with before when he came to this particular town, right? He was with Barnabas. And I would think as he comes into Lystra, at some point somebody must have asked him, Hey, hey Paul, I'm glad that you brought some new guys with you. But, but where's Barnabas? Where's your coworker? Where's your co-laborer? What, what, you know, where, where's the guy that, that was your good friend? We, we could tell you were friends. And, and maybe that was a bit of a discouragement for Paul, but I don't believe that he stays there very long. Why? Because again, the Lord was leading him to the right person. And, and what does he see? He sees this young man, Timothy. Most commentators believe it's been about five years since they left Lystra. About five years since they left Lystra. And most likely Paul already knew Timothy. And as he comes and he he hears about Timothy, what, what, what does he hear? He hears first that he is indeed a disciple. That that is how Timothy is characterized first. A disciple. Speaking of a pupil, it could be translated as a student. No doubt talking about the fact that it is someone who studies. And that who that is who Timothy is. He is someone who studies the Word. Doesn't just follow the Lord Jesus Christ, but, but he is a student of the Word, which is what we should all be. Again, pointing back to 2 Timothy, what we saw earlier. So he is a a student. He is a pupil. He is someone who is mindful of the Word of God. But but we see more. We see this interesting depiction that that Timothy actually has a mother who is Jewish and and has a father who is Greek. And that, that may not mean much to us, but to a Jew back in this time, this would mean a lot. This would be a major stigmatism. This would be like the scarlet letter on Timothy. Why? Because it was not the norm for a Jewish woman to marry a Greek man. And yet in this, is this not God's grace displayed? Because what we see here is is that he was well suited. He was being prepared. He was already prepared. And and the Lord was going to use him and even a history or or a nationality that was kind of a mixed breed that that others would would look down upon, especially the Jews. The Lord was going to use that in Timothy's life and make him 
missionary material, and Paul recognized that. Why? Because he could now minister to the, to the Jews on the one side, and he could minister to the Greeks, to the Gentiles. And, and so we see that, that yes, he, he had a mom, and she was Jewish, but she's not just Jewish. Do you see what else she is? She is a believer. She was persuaded that the Lord Jesus Christ is indeed God. And actually his grandmother as well. We, we know this from, from 2 Timothy chapter 1. And isn't it encouraging to see that, that even though there are some things that seem trying, that seem off, that the Lord uses that. And the Lord can do the same thing with any of our pasts. And He can use them to give Himself glory and to allow us to be used by Him. But that's not all that's said of, of young Timothy. And most believe he was only about 18 years of age. But do you see what else it says? It says in verse 2 that he was well spoken of as well. This means to be approved of or to be well attested to. It, it's speaking that, that Timothy had a good reputation. So for these five years where Paul had been away from him, he had proven himself faithful. He had proven that he was a man of good reputation. And I would say that Paul recognizes, even now at this time, long before he writes 1 Timothy chapter 3, long before he writes Titus 1, displaying the qualifications for an elder, that he's recognizing, hey, the, the kind of man, young man that I want to go with me on these missionary trips is someone that will be qualified to lead Christ's church in the future. Someone who is above reproach, and that's what this is speaking of, about Timothy. That he is well suited being a Greek and a Jew, and that he is well spoken of. But look at verse 3. As a result of things, we see that he's also wanted. Paul wanted this man to go with him. And took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. So, so what did Paul see in Timothy? He saw potential. He saw, oh my, this is someone that the Lord can use. This is someone that the Lord already has his hand upon. He could see it in his life and the way that others looked at him. And that Paul himself had a desire. Yes, I want to, I want to bring this guy along. But I wonder if it actually goes deeper than that. I wonder if there was some sort of personal relationship between the two of them. Remember, five years ago, it was most likely Paul that had preached the gospel in order for Timothy and his mom and his grandmother to get saved. Right? Before that point, they weren't saved. Now he's been saved starting the same time when Paul did his first missionary journey. So could it be that Paul was actually discipling Timothy back then just a little bit? Could it be that when things started going wrong and they were going to worship Paul on the one hand and then the very next time, the next day, they tried to stone him? Do you remember what it said? It said, it said that the believers gathered around Paul as the stones were on him and as he stood up, that there were believers gathered around. I wonder if one of those believers was Timothy. And I wonder if Timothy saw what the Lord did. And from that point on, the Lord had called him to ministry. And Timothy was so excited about what the Lord had that he just kept following and following the Lord. I mean, something's crazy with Timothy because at the age of 18, he says, oh yes, go ahead, circumcise me. 
Right? I mean, how easy is that? I, I, I seriously wonder what that conversation even looked like. Okay, Timothy, come here. This is kind of weird. It's kind of odd. This is this, this isn't going to sound very good. But for the sake of the gospel, for for the sake of your witness, for the sake of my witness, for the sake of the Jews that that we want to go preach too, because Timothy, when they see you, they already know who your dad is. And 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 your spiritual integrity is going to be questioned. Your, your adherence to the law is going to be questioned. So not because of anything related to salvation. That, that was already dealt with. Right? Circumcision has nothing to do with salvation. Paul isn't going back on anything that was talked about or even written in the letter in, in chapter 15 with the Jerusalem Council. He's showing the freedom that he has in Christ in doing this to Stephen, um, to Timothy, for the sake of the gospel. And I believe in this, there's an important lesson. Recognize how, how willing Timothy was to be circumcised. A- am I that willing to, to do whatever needs to be done in order so that someone is not offended by me? Are, are you willing to do something? Something that maybe you are doing now that is being an offense to a neighbor. Perhaps it looks like something like Halloween. That, that you would reach out to your, to your neighbors during Halloween. I, I don't know what this looks like. But this is what Timothy was willing to do. Why for the sake of the gospel? What are you willing to give up? What am I willing to give up? When possible, we need to take steps to avoid giving an unnecessary offense to someone for the sake of the gospel. Look at verses 4 and 5. This is how we know that Timothy was the right person. Because of the result of him joining the team. Remember, now Timothy is part of this team. And this is what happens. Now while they... This is now including Timothy, Silas, and Paul. We're passing through the cities. What cities? The cities where they knew that Timothy had a Greek father. In fact, in the Greek, it gives the idea that his father had already passed. That his father is dead. And yet everybody recognizes that Timothy had a Greek father and yet he was not circumcised, but had been willing to be circumcised. They were delivering the decrees which had been decided upon by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem for them to observe. So the churches were being strengthened in the faith and were increasing in number daily. So what was the result of what they were doing, going around as missionaries and handing out this letter and speaking in a formal declaration what the church in Jerusalem, the elders and the apostles had written. The result was that the church was strengthened. The church was growing in numbers on the one hand, and the church was being strengthened. But not just any part of the church, the faith of believers was being strengthened. Do you recognize that that our faith is continually to be strengthened? That the faith that we had when we came to Christ as unto salvation as our Savior continues to grow. And how does that faith grow? That faith grows because of our time in the Word. Which again points to this letter. 
to this decree, as, as the NASB says. But think about with me for a moment, what was or who was this decree, this letter from the church in Jerusalem supposed to be for? Who was it designated for? Was it designated for all these churches? No, it was designated for the church in Antioch. That's the whole reason. That was the purpose why they wrote it. And yet the Apostle Paul says, you know what? No, this is something worth taking to all these other churches. Why? Because it is encouragement. Because it will strengthen their faith, which is exactly what was going on. And they must have been presenting the gospel because the church was growing as well. And if we think about what this letter was, we, we know that it, it was the inspired Word of God because that, this is the letter that we have written for us in Acts chapter 15. And so going back to 2 Timothy, it's profitable to help grow believers that even though the book of Corinthians, the book of Romans, the book of Philippians, the book of Galatians, it's, it's written to many different churches, not written to RBC, not written to our church, but it's profitable for us to look at those particular letters. Why? Because the Word of God will have its effect upon our lives. And that is what we see here. That that is what is strengthening them. That is what is growing them more and more as they spend time really in God's Word, even though they probably didn't recognize at that point that it was God's Word. And we also see in, in, in the book of Acts that every time that, that the Word of God is preached or even this letter is preached, the result is the strengthening of the body. Think about with me just for a moment if things had switched. Let's say back at the end of Acts chapter 15 and this little squabble between Barnabas and Paul went a different way. And one of them caved and said, okay, yes. Or Paul says, I'll go with you and John Mark. That's fine. And, and, and they go the opposite direction. They go to Cyprus and they go the same route that they went on the first missionary journey. What of Timothy? Timothy would have had to wait all of that time for them to get to him. Instead, the Lord knew that he was even going to use this spout, this sharp disagreement that happened between Paul and Barnabas in order to direct Paul to the right person. And so he goes right away to Derby and Lystra, which happens to be the place where Timothy is from. All part of God's leading and direction. And he clearly leads him to the right person. And yet in this, have you noticed that, that it's through an indirect means? We haven't seen the Holy Spirit saying, hey, go to Timothy. Hey, choose Timothy, right? And yet that is exactly what is going on. It's, instead, it's more indirect. And it's lining itself up with Scripture. How is this happening? Well, first, we're, we're told by what other people are saying. So Paul looks at what other people are saying and no doubt holds that up to what God's Word says about a, a, a minister of the Gospel, about someone that, that is going to hopefully become a qualified elder. They have to be above reproach. And he sees that. And then we also see Paul's own reasoning in the process. 
He looks at Timothy and he says, man, this guy is good missionary material. Why? Because he, he has a, a, a mom who's Jewish and he's got a dad who's Greek. And the two of those will work splendidly for allowing him to be a gospel witness. And then we see even in his own heart that he had a desire to bring Timothy with him. I believe all of those can be looked at in direct ways that the Holy Spirit is guiding along in this process. Even though you may not see them right away. Now what we're going to see is something entirely different. As, as we look at the, the next set of verses, 6 to 10, this is what we're going to see. We're going to see the Holy Spirit lead Paul to the right place and he does it very directly. You, you can't miss it. Look at verse 6 as he leads him to the, the right place. They passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. So how does the Lord lead here? The Lord leads by closing doors. I don't think we always look at it that way. We tend to look at it as something entirely negative. Well, it doesn't have to be looked at as negative. This is part of God's plan. For him not to go here. And what's more interesting is, is look and see what, where we're talking about. So they, they had started down, well actually they started down here. <laughs> and then they end up coming to Tarsus, which is where Paul is from. And then they keep going. And they kind of do the shortcut and end up in Lystras, in Lystra. And from there, they probably go on to Iconium and preach a couple other little places. But then what happens is Paul gets his eyes set on this area. And do you know what's over there? Ephesus, the city of Ephesus, the great city of Ephesus. If there is any city that Paul would recognize needs the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is Ephesus. And so we'd look at it and go, that is a great idea. Paul, that is awesome. Yes, go to Ephesus. And yet what does the Holy Spirit say? No. Not yet. This is not yet my plan. Even though the Lord is leading him to the right place, that right place right now is not Ephesus. He will go there later, but not yet. Even though he recognizes how important it is for him to go there at some point. Really, the Lord was going to do some other preparation in Ephesus. And and we know from other scriptures that Apollos actually goes there before Paul. And kind of works the soil first. But Paul doesn't know that. Look at verses 7 to 8. Paul's clueless on what the Lord is doing. And yet he is not just stopping. He doesn't just, okay, man, the Lord closed that door. Let's go back to Antioch. Let's just stop this missionary journey because obviously the Lord isn't in this. No, he doesn't do that at all. He keeps moving. And, and we see this next in 7 and 8. And after they came to Mysia, they were trying to go into Bithynia and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. So, so they couldn't... As the Lord is leading them to the right place, they couldn't go... They first tried to go west. They couldn't go west to Ephesus. So now as they continue their way, he, they decide, okay, let's go up to Bithynia. Let's go north. That's another place that needs the gospel. Would, would this be something inherently evil or wrong? No, this is great. 
Yes, go to, go to Bithynia, share the gospel there, Paul. But, but what happens instead, the Lord again says no. In fact, we, we see here in, in, in seven and eight that, that there's a fourth member of the Trinity. Because it says the Spirit of Jesus. So, so there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and then there's the Spirit of Jesus. I'm, I'm being facetious. That, that this is not a, another member of the Trinity. This is speaking of the Holy Spirit. I believe the reason why it's termed the Spirit of Jesus, and it's only termed like this in two places here and then in Philippians. I believe the reason is, is most likely because someone gave some sort of prophecy and said, hey, you can't go over there in the name of Jesus Christ. You can't go there. And then again, we don't see them stop. We see them continuing on. Even though the, the Holy Spirit stops them from going to Bithynia, they say, okay, well, we're, we're going to keep going. So they keep cruising all the way through Mysia and they get to Troas. Do they still know where they're going? No. They still do not have a clue where they are going. But the Lord is just about to reveal to them where they're going. Look at verses 9 and 10. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So here's why I have a hard time with people taking this passage and applying it to themselves. And applying it to, say, every missionary. Because if that is the case, then Timothy, he shouldn't have gone. Silas, he shouldn't have gone. And actually, we're, we're, in, we're told something else here that Luke actually enters the, the missionary team at this point. Many believe that Luke was actually in Troas at this time, and he was a doctor in Troas. And that's why we see in verse 10, all the other pronouns up to this point have always been they, 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 as though he's not included. But now it says, we, we sought to go into Macedonia. That's because Luke joins them at this point. But notice who has the vision. Who does this appear to? It appears to only Paul. It doesn't appear to every one of them. The rest of them didn't need the vision. All they needed was the word from Paul that this is what happened. And they said, we're good with that. Yes, let's go to Macedonia. And look at how quickly they respond. Right away, immediately. They seek to go to that particular place. That is the way that we should respond, is the Lord guides and leads and directs us. And I believe here too, we, we, we see some, some good advice, some good wisdom in discerning God's will. Sometimes what is needed to go, is to go forward until a door slams, and then you go forward some more, and then possibly another door slams, as is the case here. And then you go forward until the door doesn't slam. What is that doing? That is showing you the sovereign purposes of God. That He is going before you. God's not confused. God's not perplexed. He's not, he's not oh no, I can't believe that they are in Troas. No, this is where He is leading them. And when He closes the door with you or with me, it is the same. So in closing, let, let, let me frame it like this. 
as, as we have seen it at times, the, the Holy Spirit and the way that He leads is, is very much out in the open. When it says a vision here, it literally means a vision. This is something that the Apostle Paul saw. He, he wasn't asleep. This is something that he saw with his eyes. That, that, that is very direct. But what we saw in the first verses, verses 1 to 5, no, there it's indirect. It's not right out in the open the way that the Holy Spirit is leading. But He is leading. I've had many come up to me at one point or another and say, Pastor Jason, what's your vision for the church? And in in regards to what we see here in Acts, I kind of cringe. Why? Because for one, you don't want my vision for the church. You want Christ's vision for the church. Because that is what's going on here. He is leading them where He wants them to go, not where they want to go. Even though where they wanted to go was good. Right? It, It should be the same for every church. And so if, if, if in regards to you thinking through the idea of, of me as, as the senior pastor having a vision for the church, you're thinking, Acts 16, no, you need to reframe the way that you think about that. If you think that missionaries need to have that, you, you need to reframe that as well. Why? Because I, I didn't have it, and I know many missionaries that didn't have it. Th- this is what I would propose, that you look at a vision like that more as a plan or a strategy that the Lord enables someone to have in order to think through how will RBC grow further into godliness in the future? How will RBC, this church, meet its community? How will RBC keep evangelizing out into the outer ends of the, of the earth? Well, then that kind of vision, yes. Where it is a strategy, it is a plan. But I don't want you to think for a moment, that that somehow we as the elders or me as the senior pastor of this church, that we have the ability to see into the future, to know for sure that the way and the direction that we're going is indeed where we're going to end up. Only the Lord knows the future, just as was the case with Paul. Right? Paul wants to go west. He wants to go to Ephesus. And the Lord says no. Then he wants to go north. And the Lord says no. And he ends up in a place that maybe he wasn't thinking about. Maybe he was. It's it's the same for for us here. And and recognize too the, the importance of, of even of leadership in this account. That what did they do? They went around and, and they were giving the decree that the church in Jerusalem had given them. The Lord desires that, that we would submit to the leadership of the church that we've been placed under. Not, not because they're perfect, but because of the one that is the, the shepherd of all. Our great shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so even in terms of thinking through, okay, a, a vision. Yes, we, we plan. We strategize. And we are doing that. Even, even now, as was mentioned about the budget. Yeah, we plan. We strategize. And, and what is our responsibility? Our responsibility is to be faithful. That is what the Lord calls us to. And perhaps as we are being led by Him, He'll close this door and lead us to a, a, another door. Right now, what's the door? The, the door that we, that we are going towards is more a unified body. That's why we're doing community groups. And if any of you are not involved in a community group and you want to get involved, please, I would encourage you, come get involved in a community group. You can sign up for one at the Hub. You can sign up for one with a little welcome card in front of you. Come to the men's retreat next weekend and get to know more men. Come and hear from Pastor Harry Wallace. He was my favorite teacher 
Oh, I don't know if I should say that on. Okay, he was. <laughs> it's it seminary. He's awesome. He loves the Lord. He loves Christ's church. He loves people. He loves men. And he's got a passion for purity. And if you want to be challenged, come. If you want to get to know some of us, please come. That isn't how I was going to end. <laughs> but we'll leave it there. The Lord leads him to the right place. Points to ponder. Some things to consider. And please, if there's any time where I believe the points to ponder are significant, it's this week. Consider how even the Holy Spirit stopped Paul and his missionary, or even though the Holy Spirit stopped Paul and his missionary team from going to a certain place several times, they never stopped moving. What does this teach you about how you should respond to a closed door from God? Two and three, what are some present day examples of how someone might not give an unnecessary offense such as how Timothy was circumcised? And number three, this is huge. What does it look like today to have a life in ministry that is led by the Holy Spirit just as Paul and his team were led? The Holy Spirit does still lead. He does still guide. He, he does still do all the things that we're seeing, but, but He just may not do it exactly in the same way that we see it happening with the Apostle Paul. Search the Scriptures and see what the Lord says is the way that He guides and leads His people. I believe we see that this morning. That we go forward and He shuts the door and we go forward and He shuts the door until we come to what He has for us in some cases. Other times it's just open and apparent. This is the Lord. Let me close our time. Heavenly Father, we do. We bask in Your infinite grace. Your Word that speaks into our, our lives and our hearts, Lord. We thank You for what has been presented in Your Word this morning. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us. Help us to be led by your Spirit. To know when you, Holy Spirit, are guiding and leading and directing us. And help us to stay tethered to your Word and to stand upon it as a solid rock. So go before us now as we leave here in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for being with us today. It's always a pleasure to serve you with this CD ministry. And here at Rancho Baptist Church, our mission is to glorify God by making disciples who love God, love others, and live to reach their world for Christ. And if you have any questions regarding this sermon, or just perhaps knowing God in a deeper way, don't hesitate to give us a call. Our phone number is area code 951-676-2911. Or you can reach us on the web at www.ranchobaptistchurch.com. That's www.ranchobaptistchurch.org Have a great day in the Lord and God bless you as you continue to walk with Him.